The Ringer Gambling Feed is your one-stop shop for all things betting throughout the NFL season from week one all the way through Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas. We have you covered every which way. We got our favorite futures. We got props. We'll discuss the lines. And of course, we'll throw in a few parlays. That's a given. So whether you're a sharp or square better, we'll be breaking it down in terms hopefully everybody can understand. And we'll try to win some money along the way. So be sure to subscribe to the Ringer Gambling Feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Ringers Philly special presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same game parlays all in one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. Welcome to the Ringers Philly special officially the off season. Well, it's been the off season, but now it feels like the off season. Shiel Kapati here with Ben Solak, ace producer Cliff Augustine. We just got finished hearing from Howie Roseman and Nick Sirianni for, I don't know, 30, 35 minutes or so. I don't know what the uh, exact time was. News breaks during the press conference that we have to get to, which I know Ben Solak's going to be uh, excited about. Benny Souls, I have to imagine you're feeling at least a little bit better about your Philadelphia Eagles now than maybe you were, like, let's say, 90 minutes ago. Uh, only because the Fangio news saved them. <laughs> Howie right, Rosen being that's what I was referring only to. because of uh, Howie Rosen being like, what do you mean we don't invest in linebacker? We invest in linebacker. I was ready to bite his head off. But Fangio, I, I, so overall, this <laughs> is net positive. Fangio kind of outweighs it. No, um, I mean, like we talked about the Sirianni uh, firing when we did the, the post game uh, after the Bucks podcast and said, you know, uh, both of both you and I kind of lean towards maybe he's gone. But neither one of us, I think, was beyond like 60, 40 on it. 
Sirianni gets another year by cleaning house. And you're like, all right, well, now this is going to come down to what coordinators can you get in the building? And then what value do you provide as head coach? And I think it's pretty clear that they know that, right? It's like there was there was no, um, you know, we really like there was no like we're so proud of Nick. You know, they couldn't like a whole big like let's let's go out for Nick thing. And that, that didn't really happen. It was mostly just like, hey, like we know this was really bad. We have to what kind of mouthwash this and start from a blank slate and be aggressive attacking 24 and like if the Knicks are on your retention is going to work that's how it was going to work so I think overall that was like an encouraging sign I think those are the two big headlines and then there's a bunch of little stuff I mm-hmm. think the two big headlines are about Nick Sirianni as you you know have said in our post game pods what exactly are you going to be doing here? Mm-hmm. I think that was. I think who that was, who was it team. who asked him? Like, Tim okay, McManus, so what, what does Tim it mean McManus, to be the head coach? Of course, I couldn't tell the great who it was. T Mac. It was the great T Mac, and uh, I think he caught Nick off guard. But then, see the pros. Once you realize you kind of caught the guy off guard, and great question, relevant question. Everybody watching was thinking it. Then, if you if you if you're like, wait, was that a little harsh? Then you soften it a little bit, which he did. He asked the follow up, and then Sirianni gave him the question. Also, for the young reporters out there. That's the, you know, that, that's the importance of being there every day. You know, if I just popped in and I just said, so Nick, what are you going to be doing here? Uh, I, you know, that would not have been well received. Nick Manis has covered probably every press conference that Nick Sirianni has done. Right. Uh, you know, so, so you're able to ask those questions and get answers. And it was a very good question. So that was number one. I want to get into that. What Nick Sirianni's role it's going to be, and then the other bit. I mean, the Fangio, Vic Fangio thing is huge, and so for I, I imagine most of you by the time you listen to this will know what I'm talking about, but maybe not all of you. So Vic Fangio, uh, you know, kind of legendary mm-hmm. veteran defensive coach in the NFL. During the press conference, Adam Schefter tweets out the Dolphins and Vic Fangio have mutually agreed to part ways. Sources tell me and Jeremy Fowler of ESPN. Fangio now will be the top target for the Philadelphia Eagles to hire as their defensive coordinator, and a deal is expected. Miami is allowing Fangio to leave to be closer to his family in Pennsylvania. I'm calling BS there. That's not Schefter. Uh, Fangio and the Eagles had an interest in working together in 2023, but the timing didn't work. This time, it will. So the big questions, like I had names written down here at the bottom of my Google Doc uh, Solak, mm-hmm. and I was like, all right, we got to get into some of these candidates at some point. Had some names written down on the defensive side of the ball. Did not have Vic Fangio written down, but that situation had been weird since the end of the season. Mike McDaniel was asked about him in like his post-game press conference yeah. and like wouldn't confirm that he was coming back. I think there was some reporting that maybe Fangio... And the personnel department maybe didn't see totally eye-to-eye on some of the players there. We know going back to last year, Eagles wanted to hire Vic Fangio before Sean Desai, before Matt Patricia, but Johnny Gans was not transparent about leaving for Arizona. Timing didn't work out. Fangio signs with the Dolphins. Tim McManus, uh, I I forget if it was in his written piece or when he was here, reported that not only did they want Fangio, after Fangio had kind of like verbally agreed with Miami, they still tried to make a run at him and be like, no, yeah. no, no, like we there will was pay a, you more. Like we, there was a we big will go after you. Fangio to DC, uh, Fangio to Miami report that then got yanked back and then got reassessed like at the time that year. And that was right. Okay. Philly pulling on the chain a little bit. Yes. So he, uh, Vic Fangio, big Phillies fan, by the way. We, you know what? I, I got to get him on a Phillies podcast. Vic Fangio, East Stroudsburg, great. All right. I, I, your, yeah. Is it your high school or town or what so, is it? Yeah. It's the college closest to my town. I was in Stroudsburg. Stroudsburg is rivals okay. with East Stroudsburg, but East Stroudsburg University is the local university. Fangio's family 
is still in the area. My sister went to school with Fangio's niece. Uh, and so when, whenever I whenever I call him Uncle Vic, it's because I have jokingly referred <laughs> him as Uncle Vic because that's how I knew of him for, for years, legitimately. Well, yeah. so Vic from Fangio this point forward, guess what he will be referred to on this podcast? Uncle Vic. Uncle Vic. Yeah. There you go. Go Mountaineers, uh, baby. Boo Cavaliers. Let's go. Uh, I love that. Uh, so, yeah, we got a lot. I mean, we got the Phillies thing. You have the Shroudsburg thing. Mm-hmm. Sean Syed, our you know regular contributor, literally wrote a big post called The Book of Fangio, which I believe helped him get his job last year. Excellent so, you know, by work by Sean, you know, by the way. Great, great, great yeah, series. Yeah, so we're going to have to... He, he was already texting me during this about how uh, happy he was. I think he almost blacked out when uh, that broke the press <sighs> conference. Boy. So, like, I mean, this is like... Listen, this is... Uh, I have been probably on the negative side about... Keeping Sirianni, is it going to work out? I don't think so. I have a lot of questions about this. This is the best news I think you could get as an Eagles fan if this indeed comes to fruition. All the reporting makes it sound like it's all but official. I mean, at this point, if he doesn't sign with the Eagles, it's going to be a massive disappointment. It sounds like Vic Fangio is going to be the Eagles' next defensive coordinator, and that is a big, big, big deal for a number of reasons. I'll give my take, and then I want to hear yours, but... Number one, Sirianni needs a needs his G, uh, Jim Schwartz type guy where he hear the keys. Uh, yeah, I will not be in the meeting, even though he said he might be in the meeting rooms. If Vic Fangio is the defensive coordinator, Nick Sirianni, you don't need to be in the meeting rooms. You don't need to have anything to do with the defensive side of the ball. You hand that to this veteran defensive coordinator who's had to coach against every type of quarterback, every scheme imaginable, has shown an ability to adapt. Obviously, his scheme has, has uh, you know been all over the NFL in recent years. So that's a big deal. And the other thing is, like, he was good this year. I had, you know, I had my doubts about like, all right, does this Dolphins defense have enough? And mm-hmm. sometimes in Fangio's past, it's taken a while. Like that first year is a little shaky and then it gets going, man, second half of the year. And we talked about it on extra point taken that Dolphins defense was cooking and then it got decimated by injuries. Like not like Eagles, the injuries Eagles will, you know, use as excuses. Like they were, they got, they lost their two best edge rushers um, in that defense. They didn't have Jalen Ramsey for the first Xavier part of the Howard season. The best quarterback, Xavier Howard, Javon Holland, one of their, I mean, we could go on and on. Like I, I don't think football or um, Aaron Schatz has done his uh, adjusted games lost yet. I would imagine they're going to be like bottom five, bottom six in terms of adjusted mm-hmm. games lost. So I was really impressed with how that defense was playing in the second half of the season. And so now you have a high upside defensive coordinator. You have a guy who can scheme in big games against big time opponents. Again, most likely. I don't want people to say, don't jump the gun here. So I think that is a huge, huge deal. I think that's better than any defensive coordinator candidate that was out there. Yeah. Anyone that was linked to them, any that anyone that was rumored to them. I think there's a little bit of a negative side, but before we get to that, uh, I want to hear your thoughts on, on Fangio potentially likely being the Eagles DC. Yeah, I think I think it's an enormous win. I agree. Uh, one of the main responses I've heard is being like, oh, well, aren't we done with this whole Fangio system stuff? Like, Sean decides brought here to do the Fangio system thing. And it's... It, it's really important to know on the defensive side of the ball, especially there is an enormous difference between having the guy and having a dude who coached under the guy who yes. runs the system and the offense done with the clones. Yes. I'm I, done with yeah. the clones, not the, on not the, the original. offensive side of the ball. It's a little bit easier to do this because remember the offense is on the forefoot. The offense gets to dictate the terms. They can choose what personnel is on the field. They can choose what plays they want to run. The defense is always in a reactive position. You have to kind of adjust to the guys that you're playing. So you want your defensive coordinators to be again, the classic Ben rule order jacked the old defensive coordinators, the Vic Fangio guys who've just been around for decades They've seen so much, 
and they're the originators of the system. They they better understand the strings to pull and the dials to and the little the little switches, the little adjustments. They they have the lexicon because your defenses are in a reactive position. You want a guy who doesn't run a system but understands how to manipulate the system, how to change the system, how to adjust the system. And so it goes like to your Bill Belichick. Oh, why doesn't why don't none of these Bill Belichick guys work? Because they're not built. It, it, having the dude is important. And so uh, you can be frustrated with the Fangio system and like. The Eagles are going to run too high and they're going to run light boxes again and they're going to like lose to the running game sometimes. Like it's going to be familiar losses the way that they lose. But in general, it is remarkably better to have the guy than to have an offshoot of the guy's tree. I also saw people say, you know, they struggled against elite quarterbacks. I really disagree. Uh, uh, they, they Who had, did they, the Dolphins? The Dolphins, yeah. Um, they got waxed by Lamar. Like they got beat around the yard by Lamar. But they held the Bills in, in what should have been the, the the divisional game to 14 offensive points. Remember the Bills had a punt return touchdown to win that by seven. They held Dak and the Cowboys to 20. Right, and there was a, there was a Tony Pollard fumble on the inch line, but still they played the Cowboys well. Uh, Kansas City they held to 21 points. Like I thought overall they played well uh, against the top quarterbacks that they faced. Uh, to me, like it's um especially considering the injuries at the end of the season, right? Like that that Chiefs playoff game they then played where they gave up 26 points. Like they were just, it was a total skeleton crew out there. It was so hard for them to get off the ground. Uh, so I don't think Fangio's lost his fastball at all. Uh, Fangio, in his defenses now, more than like Sean Desai in his defense and kind of the, the iterations, really, really, really leans on good safety play all right and if you think about Fangio with the Broncos Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson Fangio with the Dolphins and Jalen Ramsey and Javon Holland Ramsey kind of playing that that nickel position Brandon Jones the big the big onboard to me with with uh, uh Fangio coming to Philadelphia is how they handle the safety position because obviously like in Reed you have a fun. I thought you would say linebacker I thought you you would say linebacker right. before so safety. obviously with Fangio you had Roquan Smith in Chicago when he was there as the DC and then he went to Denver and they had I want to say Trevathan was there and he was there Mike I can't remember who else they had and then obviously Miami you have Jerome Baker and you have David Long linebacker is important but to me linebacker is no more important to Fangio than like it should what it should have been to Desai and like it's that's kind of like the same level and obviously Harry kind of just skirts by that to me that the thing that the Fangio defense has always been typified by to me and when I say the Fangio defense I mean the one he is calling is really good safety play and that's the thing I'm most interested to see how the Eagles handle that because, in theory, they have a starter they like in Reed and a guy they traded for in Kevin Byard. That should be fine, but it wasn't fine this year, and I don't think it clears the the Fangio. I don't either. think you want Byard yeah. back. Yeah. That's that's the position that that stands out to me as like I'm I'm curious to see how they how they address that. Uh, the last thing I'll say on Fangio, Albert Breer reported after the news came out. Uh, that Fangio leaving Miami, Beer said philosophical differences is the main reason why, right? Obviously, it was kind of presented mm. as like, oh, he wants to get back to Philadelphia. Uh, and, yeah. and he remarked, uh, expect Miami and head coach Mike McDonald, uh, Mike McDaniel, excuse me, to look for a more collaborative approach at DC, uh, which implies that Fangio was kind of on his island saying like, I want to run things the way I want to run things. Now, Philadelphia knows how to use that model, no problem, right? That's the Jim Schwartz model. We've been, like, they, they know how to do that. But if you have your, you know, this is your island defensive coordinator in Fangio, and then you have a head coach, Nick Sirianni, who isn't explicitly running the offense the way Doug was. And Sirianni made a comment in the presser today where he was like, I might hang out in the defensive meetings a little bit more. Like, if, yeah. if, if you have a defense... That was when he was asked yeah. what he's going to do. Yeah. It was, and I'm sure he was caught off guard because it it's a right. very strange answer yeah. to get. So he was like, I'm going to be more collaborative on defense. And then Breer's <laughs> reporting that the guy who's probably coming in doesn't wasn't collaborative at the last spot. And if they hire an OC to then call plays and, and, and you know, obviously it's going to be the quote-unquote Eagles offense. But even if, like, we get Fangio plus good OC, the question still remains, Nick, 
what are you doing here? Uh, and and that that yeah. that outstanding question I think lingers. Yeah, we'll uh, let, let let's table that for a minute here. We we certainly I want to talk more about Sirianni, but Fangio. Okay, so uh, two more things I wanted to say about this. One is. I like getting the old guy who's already been a head coach who, if this works out, Mm -hmm. there's upside to like this be a version of Jim Johnson with Andy Reid. You know, I I was just looking up here. Jim Johnson joined uh, the Eagles when he was 58 years old. Uh, Vic Fangio was 65 years old. Now, I don't know how long the guy wants to keep coaching, but could he could he be your DC for five years? Like this has potential, you know. Even with Desai, remember before the season, it was like Desai could be a head coaching candidate. Like he was on those lists yeah. last year. And so when you hire the younger up and comer, you always run that risk. Here, I, I don't think Vic Fangio is ever going to be a head coach uh, in the NFL again. Uh, you know, he has been a head coach before, so that uh, part of that is valuable. I also don't think that like like I know Sirianni um, said that. I I don't I I think he will be fine. Just I'm getting out of Fangio's way. I actually think the bigger question potentially would be, will there be any butting of heads between Fangio and the personnel department? Because who I don't want Howie Roseman. Yeah, right. Howie Roseman. I don't want to just put Fangio in like the ornery old guy defensive coordinator, but like I I think he actually does uh, fit that. And you have to look at this. You just mentioned. I mean, the Dolphins like they watched. Vic Fangio did a good job. Like this defense was cooking in the second half of the season, and he was there for one year, and it didn't work out. And like Fangio had, you know, he coached with the Ravens before. You remember that Broncos Ravens game where the Ravens went for that record? It was some stupid record, yeah, like hundred uh, yards. They were the first team to put hundred rushing yards on Fangio in like uh, multiple seasons. No, no, no. I think it was actually a Ravens streak. It was like Ravens had rushed for a hundred. Oh, you're right. It was Ravens thirty straight games yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Fangio came out and was like, "That's a despicable organization." I'm not surprised. I coached there. It's like. I feel like a lot of people who work with John Harbaugh, you know, like John Harbaugh, uh, Vic Fangio is not a fan of the Ravens from his time there. So there is a little crustiness to him that, and, and it leads to the team building question. I think it was Bo, uh, Bo who asked Howie Roseman about the team building approach and sort of like, hey, you invest so much in the defensive line, the defensive line underperformed. Does that make you rethink anything? And how he kind of skirted the question. But to your point, like, I don't know, we think of these Fangio defenses, they're kind of stronger in areas where the Eagles mm-hmm. have generally not invested a lot in. Now, will the Eagles just say, all right, with this coordinator, let's uh, let's make sure we listen to him and get him the players he needs? Or will they say, no, this is how we kind of do it and he'll be able to figure it out? So, I think there's high upside. I do think there is some risk that, like, if they have a bad season next year and everyone's fired, that it'll be still, you know, Fangio will just come out swinging, like, I needed this, this, and this. They got me these crappy plays and, and like, all yeah. that. So I think there's a little bit of risk there. Having said that, I always ask myself the question, do you do this move? Do you not do this move? You Listen, do this move uh, 100 out of 100 times. Jim Johnson theorem, Jim Schwartz theorem, Vic Fangio theorem. DC is not supposed to be nice men. They are not supposed that's to be true. friendly men, right? Uh, I, that's I, true. All jacked or very unpleasant, maybe. is that That's yeah. the corollary to, to Ben's Krusty. theorem on good defensive coordinators. Crusty, salty, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I don't, like... Fangio. It really is your best theory, I think. Yeah. I've I have now heard uh, many of your theories over two years. Some yeah. I'm on board with, some I'm not. I think that might be the one yeah. that I enjoy For those most. Who, who are unfamiliar, <laughs> in my opinion, uh, DCs are only good if they are old or jacked. 
if you're old and jacked, it can cancel out or it can improve. This kind of the, this, this new frontier there. I'm considering adding a salty, a uh, crusty, uh, uh, third, third, third category. But in general, like, yeah, Vic's an intense and angry dude. And I think that's part of what makes him a good coordinator and part of what helps him get the personnel that he wants. And then also part of the reasons why he only lasted for one year in Miami, right? And so you kind of, you got you to gotta take it with what it is, right? You're, you're paying for a known quantity here. This is a good defensive coach in the league period right like they, there are no ifs ands and buts about it you go and you get yourself a nice young man who's excited to listen to nick sirianni right you go get yourself a nice oh the defensive backs coach from the saints like i'm making that up i don't know anybody uh you go get that dude all right maybe he's good but now you're taking a risk because it's a lot less of a known commodity they went for the known commodity in vic and i think they were right to do so yeah i mean i can't even imagine vic fangio's face if nick sirianni tries to like advise him on something on defense. I, I would not think that that would go over well, but I think Sirianni, you know, he's been around football coaches his whole life. He probably understands that also. All right, let's mm-hmm. take a break. Then I want to talk about uh, the man in charge, kind of, Nick Sirianni <laughs> and the other stuff that came out of this press conference. When it comes to the NFL playoffs, you've got to win one game at a time. But when you bet the NFL playoffs on FanDuel, one game can mean a lot of wins. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, has all your favorite bets like the money line and the spread, plus all sorts of prop bets. One, I'm like, listen, I think I'm taking the Ravens minus three and a half. I don't feel good about it. Don't do it. Don't follow me. But do something. We got championship weekend right now. Every day there's an NFL playoff game. FanDuel is giving all customers a no sweat. Same game parlay. That means when you combine all your bets for a chance at a bigger payday, you'll get bonus bets back if your SGP doesn't win. Just visit FanDuel.com slash Ringer Philly if you don't already have an account. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit TheRinker.com slash RG. Minimum three-leg parlay required. Refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets, which expire seven days after receipt. Max refund $5 unless otherwise specified. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and 1. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, that's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And 1, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. This episode is brought to you by hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. We want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere 
in the Hotels.com app today. All right, we're back on the Ringer's Philly special. All right, so I think, listen, we started with the good stuff. I think that's the good stuff. The fit that what you're telling, I was getting, you know, texts from friends about it. If you're an Ingles fan, you are right to be excited about Vic Fangio, most likely, again, not official, joining your football team as the defensive court. I mean, some of the other names that were being thrown out there, like Ron Rivera. I'm like, I, Shio, I was Did legitimately you? rooting for Ron Rivera to get to the job so I could do the pod with you afterwards and hear you go off about Ron Rivera as the DC. I mean, he seems like, listen, I think Ron Rivera, everybody loves the guy. He seems like maybe one of the nicest guys in the NFL. That defense sucked last year. And at this stage in his career, I don't think Ron Rivera is burning the midnight out oil to come up with, you know, schemes to stop Kyle Shanahan in the mm-hmm. playoffs. I just, I mean, I don't know. I could be wrong about that, but um, that that would surprise me. So Ron Rivera, there was Mike Caldwell. Like none of them. The only guy who kind of excited me, uh, Solak, was a younger guy where if Jesse Minter would not go with uh Jim Harbaugh to his next NFL destination but that's a totally different animal Jesse Minters that was the uh, Michigan defensive yeah. coordinator who the Eagles interviewed last, last year, year yeah. and who spent time with the Ravens and I was like ooh could you find the next sort of Mike McDonald there that might be interesting but that would have been a whole different animal like that would be a young first time NFL defensive coordinator this is way way better so okay there you go um Nick Sirianni okay so here here is my read on the situation. Let me know if you agree or disagree. First of all, Sirianni still looked like he had not slept. I mean, it's the off season. I know mm-hmm. he's had a lot of meetings. They went through a whole thing, uh, which was funny to start the press conference where Howie was like explaining why it took so long to do the press yeah. conference. And I'm just like, I understand, you know, you're getting a lot of complaints from the media, but this is probably not necessary. But uh, Sirianni comes out and my big takeaway, Solak, was... Here's how. Here's my theory. This is not reporting of how this went down. I think he had the meeting with Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman, and Jeffrey Lurie basically said, "You had a couple months here to show us." Maybe not in so many words. Jeffrey Lurie's not a confrontational guy, but I think this was. Shell's trying so hard to make it clear this is all just theory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is all just me. Uh, I think he, Jeffrey Lurie probably had the messaging that you had two months to come up with answers for how to fix this offense. And you were not able to do it like even a little bit like that was embarrassing what we saw against Tampa Bay in the playoffs, the blitz stuff, still no answers. And so you are not running the offense anymore. If that's not amenable to you, we can talk about the next steps. Mm -hmm. If it is okay with you, then we can also talk about the next steps. And I think Nick Sirianni probably wanted to keep his job. So he said, okay, what do we do if I say it's not my offense anymore? Because Nick Sirianni very early in this press conference started talking about, you know, hiring an offensive coordinator. And he used the term, the phrase, fresh ideas, three times in one sentence. I don't think that was an accident. I think that is what they are telling him. We need some freaking fresh ideas because this offense sucks. It's what you said after the last game. Like, this isn't a tweak here and a tweak there. This is kind of like a smash it to the ground and build it back up. And maybe it looks great because you still have a lot of talent. So I think that's pro- that, that mm-hmm. is most likely what the messaging was. And it sounds like Nick Sirianni thought, I am 
open to that, uh, let's do it. Because he, you know, said things like we need to bring someone in outside of this coaching family. He said stuff like, this isn't going to be my offense. We're bringing someone in. It's going, you know, it's going to be our offense, but basically saying very clearly that whoever they hired offensive coordinator, like that person is going to have full reign on what they do offensively, which is Kind of surprising. Like Sirianni is an offensive coach. Even when he hasn't been calling the plays, that has been like the thing he's been doing. It sounds from what they said, that is not going to be the case anymore. Like Nick Sirianni is going to have very little to do with the offensive scheming, the game planning, the design, the play calling, all those things. I mean, he already said the new guy is calling the play. So I thought that was very, very interesting to me. I think that is at the core of what those conversations were like with Jeffrey Lurie. I'm sure they said something like, hey, we you've won a lot of games. We believe in you as a head coach, as a person, but not the way it's been structured so far. That needs to be the biggest change. And if that doesn't happen, we might have to consider other stuff. And so um, that was my read on how it went down and what we're going to see with the new offensive coordinator, whoever that is. No, I strongly agree with that. I think that the terminology, the vocabulary of like the offense got stale and we want to get fresh is really what like... First time he admitted that. Yeah, Yeah. which honestly, like again, like I was supposed to feel better about that and it just made me feel worse where he was like, you know, the offense got a little stale late. Oh, and I was like, a little late? Like, oh, (laughs) no. And it was two months ago. Yeah, you had time to unstale it. All a while ago. Um, Right, so it's stale and we want to be fresh. And to me, like that provides color to the arc that we've seen over the last couple of years where it was like, 2021, Sirianni calling plays. Steichen is the OC. We're trying to figure out what we want to do with Hurts. Like, how do we want this to look? Halfway through the season, hand over the play calling to Steichen. Often sees a big jump. Okay, we have, like, an identity now. Like, they really, like, we, we use the word scheme so much. Like, we throw scheme at everything. A scheme is very, like, it just uses this catch-all term, and so it, its meaning gets distorted. But fundamentally, before you have a scheme, you have a philosophy, Right. Uh, we're going to be a physical team that runs the football. We're going to be an explosive pass team. We're going to spread out and have athletes win in space. Like before you have a scheme, you have a philosophy. And then the, the scheme fits into the philosophy of what you want to be as a team, how you want to maximize your players, what you want your identity to be as a unit. And so they they, they philosophically said, we're going to be an 11-on-11 football team. We're going to incorporate the quarterback in the running game. We're going to run RPOs. We're going to be a post-snap optionality team. We're going to win one-on-ones. Like that's, that's what they said philosophically. And then they built all these RPOs and, and all these A.J. Brown targets and all this Jalen Hurts run action stuff around that philosophy. When they lost Steichen, they kept scheme and lost philosophy. They had no idea what they were doing and why they were doing it. They were just like, well, these are the plays that worked last year, so run them because they'll work again, right? Like it, it was, it, they, they had lost the thread. And we're just kind of like in the motions of things. And that's why stuff got stale because you weren't adapting. You weren't evolving. You weren't staying ahead of defenses and, and pitching change-ups and anticipating their counterpunches and throwing your counterpunches first and so on and so forth. So I think it's very important to bring in a guy who has a scheme, right? Okay, like we bring in Gerard Johnson from, from Houston. Okay, great. Uh, it, Shanahan scheme, awesome. But really fundamentally can give you a new perspective on philosophy, like, uh, here I am interviewing for OC. I've watched Jalen Hurts play. I've watched AJ Brown play. I've watched Dallas Goddard play. I've watched this line play. Here's how I would do things. Here, 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 here's what I would prioritize as the team. Like, so many um, so many times in the season, we said, why won't they just let the offensive line win a drive for them? Like, just, just hand the ball off. Just like, all right, let, let these guys win for us. Re, you know, settle everything down. Put seven on the board. Like, relax. That's a philosophical thing. You have to philosophically, as a staff, as a coaching group, say, 
we believe in our ability to do this. We're going to prioritize this. We want to establish this. It was, this is going to be part of us. So if you bring in a guy who has that, you know, background, he's like, you know, again, bringing up Johnson and Shanahan, and they hand the ball off a lot there in Houston. Say, okay, we're going to have drives where we do that because that's going to be part of our identity. And then whether it's outside zone, inside zone, duo, whether it's this, that, quarterback involved, bootlegs, everything, that's all ancillary. It's all secondary. And that's where, like, Sirianni says, we're going to end up meshing stuff in from the old system. It's like, yeah, of course you are. You can't get rid of the A.J. Brown nine route. It's amazing in general, right? Like, it's A.J. Brown one-on-one. Like, it's awesome. Of course you're not going to get rid of, like, the slide RPO that they run all the time. It's a great play in and of itself, like, in a vacuum. When you run it all the time and it's the only RPO you run, it becomes a problem. But you can still incorporate that. It's like, that's where then you can graft in some of the things that have worked. Because when Steichen installed them and when they worked, like, they, they were thoughtful and they were intentional and they were good. And so it is it is the correct approach. It, it's right. It's going to help out their offense. It's going to help them attract better candidates, right? Because you are calling the plays. You are bringing your approach in here. We're going to support you. It still ends on the punchline, which is, all right, Nick, what are you doing on a Tuesday? But altogether, <laughs> it's it's the right thing to fix the offense fast. Yeah, I want, you know what, now that you may, I wonder if part of this was a little bit of a sales job, you know, if there are offensive coordinators out there who have different options. I mean, they made it, part of it did make it sound like he was making sure people knew this should be an appealing job for you. Like I, you are going to be the offensive coordinator. Cause you know, there is some thought to like Brian Johnson was under the constraints of Nick Sirianni. Not that he would have been amazing or is going to be amazing. Maybe he will be, I don't know. But like when you have an offensive head coach, who's telling you, we want to play a certain way. And Tim story, you know, had little nuggets in there that like players didn't know at times who was calling the plays during games late in this. When you have that kind of thing, I think you have to fight that. If you're Nick Sirianni, when you're trying to attract a uh, good offensive coordinator candidate. So yeah, I mean, they, he, he really, we need fresh ideas. The offense got stale, bring people in outside of the family, uh, change the structure of the offense. Like this was a, a an admission, probably, you know, maybe a forced admission that what we were doing is kind of a disaster despite the statistics, which weren't that bad, top 10 in offensive DVOA. But we all watched it all season and knew what we were watching uh, specifically in the second half of the year there. And so I thought that was interesting to me too because there was another scenario where – you know, like Jeffrey Leary with Chip Kelly, when he booted Howie, uh, you know, to the other side of the building, his thought there was like, maybe I have a weird guy who can be a special coach and I'm going to hand him the keys mm-hmm. and see if he is that guy or not. And so like there was at least a small percentage. I didn't think it was a big percentage that he was going to be like, all right, I'll just let it like let him do what he wants for one more year. And if he sucks next year, then I know I just need to move on. That, that again, I don't think that was the most likely scenario, but that was at least a little percentage. And that's not what happened here at all. It was, uh, no, 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 you are not handling anything that has to do uh, with the offense anymore. So let's get to some of these um, before have, uh, we talk a little more. I have one yeah, more thing. Ahead. Just the, the thing about the offensive coordinator search that really interests me, that we I, I don't think we got a lot of great insight from this from the presser. I am curious, especially with the Howie Roseman, you know, report matt patricia was my guy and then during this press was like no 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 let me clarify this was all nick's idea how about Uh, that i mean he came out uh very clearly like i thought when he was asked that question he was going to give a non-answer like everything he was collaborative no howie roseman and and to what uh solak's talking about here um you know he was basically asked about the decision to replace decide with patricia um you know he said 
Sirianni came to him. This is how he Sirianni came to him on the decide thing and told him what he was thinking, uh, how he trusts him with the coaching staff, always wants to be supportive and a resource, um, give his opinion when asked. But I think, and this isn't a direct quote, but it was something like he had made up his mind. I mean, that he left yeah. no uh, gray area there. That's one of those that if this thing doesn't work out and we're getting some, you know, reporting on the fall and the meltdown and the collapse of the Philadelphia Eagles, that's going to be a quote that potentially resurfaces. Sorry, what were you saying there? Yeah, so uh, I, I would love to know, hey, like in these offensive coordinator interviews, I'm Nick's in the room, Howie's in the room, Jeffrey's in the room. I understand that. In terms of who's functionally in the room, though, in terms of who, like, what percentage of the pie decision-wise, who's got the ear of Jeffrey, how much influence, like, there was the report, Lurie's going to get more involved in football decisions, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I just want to know kind of who's steering this offensive coordinator search ship. And the reason is because I, there have been two reported names. One of them I brought up, yeah, Rod Johnson, who was here in Philadelphia, and he's a, he's a great guy, and he's cool, and he was with Houston quarterbacks coach, and he just seems like he has great vibes and whatever. I'm very interested in that. The other guy that's been reported is Cliff Kingsbury, which I would not be as excited about. And so I need to know for my mental comfort and health, who is making these decisions? Because if it's Howie, I am very, very, very worried about Cliff Kingsbury getting this OC job and I'm going to go insane. So I've, that's that's the main thing that walking away with this presser, I wish I had a stronger answer on. It's just, okay, who's the spearhead of this offensive coordinator search? Who's, who's the thrust behind it? Kind of what's, how's the... You know, the, oh, it's a collaborative decision. Yeah, but like, tell us more. Uh, that's the thing that I'm, I'm, I'm kind of uh, still wondering about. Let me make it more uh, black and white. If, if they were to hire Cliff Kingsbury, that would be an absolute disaster that would erase every positive vibe you have from the Vic Fangio hiring. Okay. Kingsbury, statistically, the offenses in Arizona were mediocre. The issues that the Cardinals had offensively. Yes are identical to the yes. issues the Eagles had offensively yes. this year. Like, this would possibly be the worst person you could bring in to fix the issues with your offense. It would not change. It would not look different. The stuff you want to add, the stuff you want to layer in, he has not shown that he has those things uh, in his toolbox. So uh, I'm wondering, maybe that's just a favor to an agent, maybe, you know, something like that. Uh, if that were the actual hire... That would surprise me, and I would come on here, and I would crush that hire. So that's my take on Cliff Kingsbury. Let's talk about the other guy. You mentioned him, Gerard Johnson, for those who don't know. Uh, quarterbacks coach of the Houston Texans. We both like the Houston Texans' uh, offense this year, no doubt about it. Now, listen, it's always hard when you have a guy who I think is like might already be a top five quarterback in the NFL in CJ Stroud. I mean, I liked the scheme. Yeah. I liked what they were doing, but the quarterback was sick. And so in the quarterback, you know, quarterbacks get everybody paid. Like this is the story of the NFL. Great quarterbacks, just everyone around them, uh, receivers, offensive linemen, coaches, everybody gets promoted and everybody gets paid. So that, you know, you have to at least be aware of, but I do like the background here with Gerard Johnson. So he was the Colts quality control coach in 2020 and 2021. That was Frank Reich. And that was Nick Sirianni was on that first mm -hmm. staff in 2020. So that's one type of offense. He goes to Minnesota in 2022 as the assistant quarterbacks coach of the Vikings. Now that's Kevin O'Connell who comes from the Sean McVay tree. This is very different than the Colts tree with Frank Reich and Sirianni. Then he goes to Houston 
and is un, is the quarterback's coach under Bobby Slowick, who came from the Kyle Shanahan tree. Like, I like this. This man has experience uh, in different schemes. Again, I don't know if he's, a, if he's like, also, if he's a master at any of them, I'm not telling you he'd be a home run hire. But theoretically, when you're asking me the type of coach I would want to see them bring in, the background I would want to see, uh, this fits the bill. You know, this seems like someone who could layer in motion, who could layer in some under center play action, who could keep the things that have been working well for you. Like Solak mentioned, I mean, this is all about meshing things together. And it seems like with his background, he would theoretically uh, be able to do that. So is that your sort of read on it? I mean, if they mention, if they hire Gerard Johnson tomorrow, are you saying, all right, that is a move that makes sense to me? Or do you have more concern? Because it has been a rapid rise. So like I was, I was like, just looking at his background, like 2021, he was a quality control coach. And now this would be what three years later, you would be handing an entire offense to him for a Super Bowl contender. Like in twenty twenty one, Antonio Pierce was a linebackers coach at Arizona State. All right, we're we're, <laughs> we're shooting these days. The folks are getting jobs. Uh, so yeah, I I always struggle because people always want like what what do you think about this potential OC? And it's like if I'm not reporting, like if I don't know the guy, then right. really I'm just inferring based off of the scheme that his boss runs. So it's always really tough. Johnson seems like like firstly. Young guy who's very recently playing. Johnson's playing history is awesome. Hartford Colonials, Philadelphia Eagles, Arizona Rattlers, Pittsburgh Steelers, Sacramento Mountain Lions, Seattle Seahawks, Chicago Bears, Montreal Alouettes, Baltimore Ravens, Dallas Cowboys, YCF Grit. That's all the teams he's quarterbacked for in his career. Don't know half of those. Uh, so, been a lot of places, but he, he's a recent player. So he's going to connect with the guys well, right? And and that's always something that you care about is in, 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 in modern football. He's been under different coaching staffs. And so he's, he's seen different perspectives. He's going to be able to, to graft a couple things together because he wasn't just coming up under one system. Like he checks a lot of the proverbial boxes. Uh, what more is there to see? Like, let's hear him talk, right? Let's, let's hire him, put him in front of a mic, and let's see what he talks about about offense. Let's see what it starts to look like in camp. See what the players start to talk about him. It's mostly in the dark with stuff like that. When it's a guy that you've seen him run the offense, Cliff, then you can kind of know more emphatically whether or not you want a piece of that. I don't want a piece of that. I don't want a single piece of it. No, sir. No, that, I mean, yeah, no. If no, Cliff no, Kingsbury sir. becomes the OC... <laughs> Of the Eagles, I will be furious with producer Cliff Augustine just because of the name association. I'll constantly be like, spelled differently, right? But I'll constantly just be like, Cliff's ruining my life, like on this pod, and Cliff's gonna have to sit Mm. there and endure that. It's gonna be very tough for him. Yeah, we won't have to do post game pods if they if they hire Kingsbury. We can just really run it back from last year. All our questions and issues with the offense uh, will remain there. So overall, listen, I think if they if a couple days from now we're talking about Gerard Johnson. And Vic Fangio, as someone who, again, has been thinking, I don't know if this is the right move to keep Nick Sirianni, I think that is a fine outcome uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles. Because the other big thing is, when you're hiring an offensive coordinator now, who you're going to hand the offense to, and to your question, I mean, I don't think there's any doubt that this has to be someone that Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman are signing off on. Like, Nick Sirianni does not have the freedom yeah. to hi- forget. I don't care what they say. He does not have the freedom to to add whatever offensive coordinator he wants. And I think most likely it would be someone who uh, Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie are suggesting. And uh, obviously, Nick Sirianni would have to say, like, yes. Or no, and if he's a strong no, they might want to talk him into it. But that's why this one kind of makes sense. Like this is someone he worked with every day for a year in Indianapolis. So you're not just bringing someone who he has no background with. At the same time, it could be someone who could help. Now, where this goes wrong is uh, 2020 
Eagles bringing in Skangs, Rich Scangarello, because they liked the little motion. You know, he got lunch yeah. for Kyle Shanahan a couple times, and they thought, all right, he's going to come in, and he's going to add that all to our offense. So they had Scangarello. They had Marty Morningweg. They had Press Taylor. They had Doug Peterson. I'm probably missing, like, four other people, and they're trying to mesh this all together, and you have no offense, and it's a complete disaster. So that's where this goes wrong. There is a scenario uh, where it goes well, and it works out well. So that's where we are with the offensive coordinator search. All right, before we just get to some minor nuggets here. So Sirianni, this role, so like, so like you brought it up a couple times, and it's fair. I think it's a big question. Like, So he is now uh, moving into this role of, I guess, like the CEO type head coach, where you are there for your coaches. Um, you are, you know, you're you're dealing with the issues on the roster. You're trying to help with culture and leadership and player relationships and all that. Do you think, like, will this role be fit? Will he make this work? Will is is this fine with you, or do you have questions about? Uh, all right, I, I still don't know if he's mm -hmm. fit for this role, and this could be a disaster a year from now. Well, uh, the my favorite model of coaching organization is the model that the Eagles are apparently hoping to end up at, where you have a CEO head coach and then you have an offensive coordinator play caller and a defensive coordinator play caller. To me, that's the optimal one. If you know all of them are going to work, oh, head coach is an OC, head coach is a DC, and so on and so forth, this is the one I would pick. Your John Harbaugh model, your Mike Tomlin model, you know, couple of names, Harbaugh doing great recently, Tomlin maybe not so much. Uh, the reason I like it is because it allows your head coach to just focus on right managing the game on a Sunday and managing the team throughout the week. Like I've made the Nick, what do you do here? Which he was not great at yes, either this exactly. last year, by the way. Yeah. So I, and so I made the joke like, Nick, what do you do here? Because over the end of last season, he wasn't managing the team well. There were constant like media problems and narrative problems and comments like this and frustrations on the sideline. Brought up this a lot during the postgame shows. Why? Sirian needs to learn how to de-escalate. Take things down, right? Like don't get into fights with the outside linebackers coach on a fourth down in a win against the Giants. Like where there's cameras. Just handle it like you like either that that's that's part of being the ceo and then the other part of it right uh there's there's the player aspect and the time management the game management they had challenges that they missed and they had the end of the first half and the loss to the giants right they had management mistakes and so if you're going to be the ceo you got to be good at good at doing it all right uh i think you know if you and i were having a conversation about nick Sirianni, the ceo head coach in october we would have been a lot more forgiving because we didn't see that huge skid and, and his ability to pull them out of it and so there's worlds in which Sirianni ends up quite a good CEO head coach. You have a, a DC position that you fill with Fangio, and for as long as he hangs out there, you got him, and then you're cycling through OCs, and maybe hire a bad one here. Maybe you hire a good one, he gets hired away for a season. But guess what? Like With Brian Callahan getting the Titans job, every OC in the league right now has been employed since 2022 on. That, that's the that's longest crazy. tenure. I can't. I couldn't yeah. believe that when I saw that. Yeah. That's wild. So the idea that like, oh, if you have a CEO head coach, like your OC is going to get hired away every year. Yeah. And guess what? If you have any other organization, you're also going to have OC change a lot. Like I think that's part of the nature of football now. Uh, and so I, I like the model they're shooting for. My faith in Nick to achieve his role in the model is a lot lower than it was previously. And so Nick made a comment where he said, I had to reprove myself to Mr. Lurie and reprove myself to the city and reprove myself to the team. And he's right because uh, as of October, it felt pretty good that he was, he could be a really good culture guy and a really good team management game management guy, and then hand, hand the ball off to his coordinators to manage the X's and O's of things. Now it feels way worse. And so he's got to learn how to get the team out of the skid and th this upcoming year, like it, it, all the chips are on 24, right? Like if he has the same issues that he had in 23, it's very hard to see him coming back.
It's a short leash. There's no doubt about it. I mean, if they start out poorly two months in, you know, I would imagine they would go into next season with a contingency plan, just like they did with Doug Peterson when they had Jim Schwartz uh, on the staff there. I will say Sirianni is, you know, he has shown humility now. Now you can say, all right, he didn't have a choice. I mean, you always have some type of choice. It might mean losing your job, but you do have some type of choice. Um, But his first season here, he gives up play calling to Shane Steichen. And now going into his fourth season, he's basically taking on a very different type of head coaching role where he is just handing the keys to his coordinators and, uh, you know, taking on different responsibilities. Now, to be good at that aspect of the job, you want someone who does not have what happened in the last two months of the season to happen. Like we talked about it right away at the time. Like, all right, we're going to learn about Sirianni in the next two months. What is he like when the team faces adversity and the team crumbled in the worst ways imaginable when they faced adversity. So I don't know what, like if you're saying, are you confident that's not going to happen again? No. I mean, I think players generally probably like Sirianni. I don't know what the relationship is like with the quarterback. That's still unsaid. There were some interesting questions about like, Hey, did you talk to Jalen hurts when you were going to fire Brian Johnson? And he was pretty vague saying, you know, we like talked to everybody, but it wasn't like, yeah, you know, I explained it to him and he under, it wasn't one of those. I mean, he, at one point he said, you'll have to ask Jalen about it. So what's that going to be like? That's a question that kind of hangs over the season as well. So uh, I don't know if it's going to work out. We will see. I mean, in some ways, as we talk this out, so like it is kind of like, you know, you could view the Eagle structure as sort of Howie and Jeffrey Leary run everything and they don't mind having a puppet head coach. Like if you had this theory that they prefer a puppet head coach, this is kind of what it looks, this is what it would look like. I'm not saying that's right. exactly what's happening, but I mean, I think they're literally telling him these should be the offensive and defensive coordinators. Mm-hmm. I think they're literally telling him, you're not going to be running the offense. And I think they're probably going to tell him, your game management stuff wasn't up to par. You're going to be talking to person X during the games, and we need to make sure that's buttoned up better in 2024. So again, the question of what exactly do you do here is a fair one. Now, there's a lot to do for a head coach. Like you said, the CEO type, like no one's asking that about John Harbaugh or Mike Tomlin. What do you do here? Because their value is so evident. Um, his value at this point in his in his career is not as evident, but that doesn't mean that uh, you know we could be having a different conversation here a year from now if they have a good twenty twenty four. And yeah, to your point about you know so I think it was Zach Berman asked like your conversation with Jeffrey Lurie, kind of hinting like, did you think you had to go in there and fight for your job? And he mm-hmm. kind of poo pooed that and said, no, 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 that was just business as usual. That's an exit interview. Um, but then he said he he just feels like personally he does need to reprove. Yeah him there uh if we do the power rankings of nfl general managers and not power rankings by how like how good they are but like actual power rankings like how powerful are you in your organization oh wiping away jerry jones who is the owner of the team <laughs> how he's got to be one right yeah I'm, I'm thinking i'm pulling i'm trying to pull up the standings here like i mean i would think so no one has lasted through as many so like Mickey, coaches, yeah, so like no Mickey Loomis is, has been in New Orleans for as long, but and Mickey's very powerful. I don't think like even like with yeah, Sp- that's a good with one. Peyton, he certainly wasn't as powerful. Now it's Dennis Allen, and it's a little bit of you know similar setup. Um, but like Brett Veach with with Andy Reid, no. Eric DeCosta no, with Baltimore Ravens, no. no. Like I think John Schneider now without Pete Carroll, we kind of see what coach they get. Like Schneider's been there for a long time. He's got 
full control over that, that, that's that scouting a, that's room. That's still a no, though, because if, if it doesn't work out, he's out of there. Yeah. Like, he doesn't have the relationship with the owner that Howie has. I would say Brian Gutenkunst in Green Bay has, like, a ton of personnel control. He makes a lot of decisions up there. But altogether, like, I don't think there's a GM who now, like, we, we with, with the way Howie survived Doug and the way he's going through Nick, it just feels like, without question, this guy's got more power in terms of the football operations day-to-day in the season than any other general manager does in the league. I, 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 it's very hard for me not to feel that way. I mean, I just went through the standings. I honestly don't think it's close. And like, yeah. you know who, you know who might, you know who might be second? Trent Balky in Jacksonville with Doug. <laughs> <laughs> That's tough, tough for Doug. I mean, yeah, like even Jerry Jones, like yes, yes, Jerry Jones, because it's Jerry Jones's organization, but. I don't know, like Will, you know, Will McClay is a very respected personnel guy who's making yeah. a lot of the calls. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's clearly Howie Roseman. All right, let's see what other notes did I have here? Anything interested? No, we talked about how Nick said the offense got stale. Um, that was interesting. Now, do you think they already have an offense? Do you, do you think they already know who they're hiring? I saw some people theorizing that the way like Nick's talking about this, it feels like they already know who they're hiring and they just haven't announced it yet. Or do you feel like the search is ongoing? I I, I don't have a feeling there. This idea that okay. they might me know, neither. I don't the, have a the idea that they either. might know terrifies me because right now they've interviewed Cliff Kingsbury, who's a white man, and Gerard Johnson, who's a black man. And typically, when when teams interview one white guy and one black guy, they are fulfilling a Rooney requirement, which I don't think there is for coordinators. Is that I know that no, I think there might. I think there is I, actually. I know they've been talking about doing it. I can't remember if they've done it or not. Rooney yeah. Rule coordinator NFL. I didn't spell coordinator right at all. They're um, not hiring Cliff yeah. Kingsbury so long. In, in addition, teams must now interview at least one minority candidate for all coordinator positions. Okay, if they know who they're hiring and they've interviewed Cliff and Gerard Johnson, <laughs> history would tell us. That Cliff, yeah. that Cliff Kingsbury is going to be hired as the OC of the Philadelphia Eagles, at which point I will become the Joker. Uh, if they have Nick Sirianni and two ex-NFL head coaches as coordinators, that is a very clear message about what they think about Nick, man. That would be unbelievable. Oh, that's already clear. That's already clear. I mean, but that if, if Nick Sirianni and Cliff Kingsbury are running this offense next year... Oh my can gosh. You think, not, can, I, I will not pick them to make the playoffs. Can you think of a greater yin-yang of offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator than Cliff Kingsbury? <laughs> if it, what would they talk about? There, there are no Here's shared interests. Barely even football, given the way that Cliff runs the we, offense. No shared interest. We, I think if they hired Cliff Kingsbury, we'd get a tweet. Uh, Vic Fangio is no longer being considered yep. uh, for the Eagles head coaching job. He's going back to Florida to be closer to family. <laughs> Whatever family he has in Florida, like there'll be something. Yeah, he, he would be. Yeah, you're right. That would be probably an NFL history. The I, I, I got to look back time. and see if I can find some some game. Uh, if there was a game where Vic coached against Cliff and what he did to that offense. I wouldn't even surprised probably. if he gave up. I wouldn't be surprised if he gave up points because mobile quarterbacks can be tough for Vic's offense and then they had Kyler back there. But like just from a film perspective, he probably did not respect that offense in the slightest. I mean, the stats on, again, the stats on those Cardinals offenses are not as bad as probably we're making it out to be. Go watch how many of those were just Kyler Murray or DeAndre Hopkins doing something. Yeah. I mean, it was not. And they got the bump from the first year. Oh, we haven't seen this before. They're running four wide receivers out. I mean, they he did try to adjust a little bit. Uh, I remember uh, never quite got there. Many, by the way, by the end of that, they couldn't get through like a half without Ky- without Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury yelling at each other. Dude, Literally during for- a game. They couldn't get play calls in. 
I they forgot about the four wide receiver thing. Dallas Goddard's going to play 35% yeah. of the snaps. Quez Watkins <laughs> is going to play 70% of the snaps. I am going to be feral. I'm going to be foaming at the mouth, man. Howie Roseman did mix in some, you know, we've been in the Super Bowl two of the last six years. Always, always. Sirianni started out 26 and five, then was 33 and 11. And it's not okay. It's not okay how last season ended. But like, I would say next time, just don't even need to remind people of that. Nobody wants, everybody knows what the record was right. and that they got to the Super Bowl. Nobody wants to hear that uh, right now. So I thought that was um, at least worth yeah. mentioning. Howie uh, stood up there and said, I don't know why you guys are so worried about linebacker. Uh, Zach Cunningham had a good year. Hmm? Yeah, not not in those exact words, but yes, he uh, did sorry. say yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he did, yeah, he said Zach Cunningham has a mentality we like at the position, and he had a good year, and then he got injured. That really affected our game. And I... We, there, we the film is publicly available, Howie. So you can't pull that on us. Like we got, we have, we have the data. We have the numbers. Uh, and then he said they still believe in Nakobe Dean as a player and a person, which I don't mind as much. But also, Nakobe's been really hurt. Like you can't put your eggs in. The yeah, well, I do it. mind. Yeah, like yeah. he is an option, and hopefully, he, he. But like, there is no reason to believe Nakobe Dean can be a healthy, quality starting linebacker for 17 games for you next year. Like when he played, yeah. he wasn't great. Well, and then he's been injured right. all over the place. That's what I think we believe in him as a player and a person means is like, we, we are still like Nicobe Dean fans in the building. And then the dot, dot, dot is, but we understand like we can't like hitch our wagon to Nicobe Dean because Nicobe can't stay healthy. That's what I infer from that. Yeah. Okay. He did say that. I see on your face. Good. You strongly disagree. But <laughs> well, we're an hour into well, this podcast. Well, listen, <laughs> if this was someone you hated during the draft process, that would not be your reading. I think of, uh, of the comment, I think you'd oh, probably no. be like, well, I, just think, I just think that's what that means. And I understand. Lines. I hope he stays healthy. Yeah, yeah. I would love to see him stay healthy and play uh, 17 games next year, but come on, that can't be your plan. A it's not my expectation. Right. I don't think it's theirs either. Yeah. All right. My last uh, question is, do you have any, conspiracy theory thoughts that did the Eagles kind of plant this Fangio leak during the press conference to change the news cycle? Because look at, they got us. I led the podcast with Vic Fangio yeah. over everything that's wrong with this team. Is there any chance they told Schefter, just listen, we're going to start around, uh, you know, going to be a little late. We're going to start around three. If you want to just tweet that bad boy out in kind of the three to three thirty hour, uh, there might be, you know, there'll be even more, uh, nuggets for you in the future. What do you think? What do you think about my theory there? A little, a little nice PR yeah. move by. I mean, the I Eagles think their optimal Howie. move was to get out of the room before the Fangio thing broke, so that way they didn't get ambushed with a Fangio question twenty four minutes. So in. no, 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 I disagree. I'm sure yeah. they like they like that. This is now a positive headline after your team just was completely collapsed and it's bringing their head coach back. Well, I. I, I would agree with that if Sirianni seemed in any way, shape, or form prepared to be asked about Vic Fangio. Maybe put a good acting job on me. I don't know. Maybe maybe he's like, uh, oh, Fangio. Uh, yeah, we love Vic. He was here. It was great. Like, he he seemed taken aback by it. But maybe maybe he the, the reason why they were 20 minutes late is because he was working on that in the mirror. He's like, oh, That's possible. I get a surprise. Yeah. If he were really honest, he would have been like, dude, do you think I know who the defensive coordinator is going to be? That, that's Talk to that guy. Not, Talk to him over there. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. king of culture. Which, by the way, Nick did a good job as he could explaining like what a CEO head coach is going to do. It is unfortunate that the job description ended up sounding like one of those made-up jobs on college staffs. You know what I'm talking about? You know when college football staffs are like, here's our head of recruiting, and here's our head of NIL, and here's our head of vibes. And you're like, what? Is that the third guy? He's just there to like pay people money and go nuts. Like that's just like, whoa! Like that's what Nick ended up sounding like. It's tough. 
Maybe that's what he'll end up in. Uh, Nick, Nick Sir, I will say that Nick Sirianni seems like a, a pretty genuine, uh, likable. Like I, I don't think Nick Sirianni is a jerk. I think he did what he needed to do to keep his job. It's probably not his, uh, you know, this isn't probably his preference, but he understands the business enough to know that he mm-hmm. cannot, uh, he would not have kept his job if he didn't agree to certain things. Number one, so number one item to see on the job goes. responsibility. Keep your job. Keep the job, baby. Although I will say this, so like, I mean, he's under, what, he got a five-year contract or something? I mean, you get fired. It's not the end of the world, you know? You're still CTC. Yes, but also pride. Ergo, keep the job. (laughs) (laughs) I, uh, as you will know, I'm Team CTC over Team Pride. There's no doubt about it. I would love to be Team CTC over Team Pride. However, I have too much pride. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I think I got, we got to everything. Uh, so that's where we stand. I'm sure we'll be back at some point too when they hire an offensive coordinator. We'll talk about that when the Fangio thing becomes official. We'll talk more about that, what to expect, what it could mean for personnel moves this offseason. They didn't deny that there could be more changes to the staff. So, you know, those are always interesting. Who are the position coaches? Who are you bringing in? Who are you keeping? Who are you letting go? All those things. So plenty of Eagles talk. On the way, the offseason, it is never dull with this team. It's especially not dull this offseason. All right, I got it. Let me see. Do we have something from Cliff here? Is there a chat? Cliff's sending something in the chat. Don't forget the voicemail show. We Oh, yeah, we got to do a voicemail show. He said we got some good ones. 215-315-7982. That's 215-315-7982. We will get to those voicemails. Uh, shout out loyal listener Sean. Hit, he sent me a message and said I had to like go off. I left a voicemail. So we got people using the voicemail line. I love it. We'll get to all those. All right. Appreciate everyone. What a busy week. I mean, we got events. Uh, B drops 70. Brian Johnson gets fired. Vic Fangio could do this. We're, it's only Wednesday. Who knows what Thursday and Friday. Trade deadline right. in two weeks, Sola. baby. That's true. Thanks to Ace Brucer, Cliff Augustine. We will talk to you soon on the Ringers Philly Special. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Vermont, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777, or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700, or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. 
True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.